So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. I just want to start by saying thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring the homie Matt and I. Uh, Matt, say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? Hope everyone's having a great day right now. Yep. Yes, sir. So, yeah, thanks a lot to everybody. I hope you enjoyed our analysis on Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, and other uh, horror movies. And gained a greater appreciation for Mike Flanagan's work, which will segue us nicely into episode 47 of Easy Conversations, in which we'll be going over discussing a nice back and forth ping ponging of movies that we've seen in the last few weeks or months, actually, because it's been a while since we just dedicated an episode to just our movies we've seen lately. And I've definitely watched a lot. I think we'll be consuming a lot of the movies and TV series, so we're going to be giving you some of our recommendations without spoiling them. We're going to try to just make a, a conscious effort to not spoil these. Matt, looking at you. So, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if we... We're going to give a spoiler warning if we do. Okay, yeah, because I'll give there, a spoiler there's definitely warning. one yeah. movie that I, I want to talk about the ending, but I don't want to get into too many specifics. But yeah, we can okay. also do the, the spoiler warning for sure. We probably okay. should have talked about that before starting the episode. But it's all good. So yeah, for um, this episode, I want to start us off because I've watched a lot of movies and I just want to throw one out there that I've seen. Matt, it was okay. actually your recommendation in the last episode. So I watched Hush on Halloween. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought it was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I um, I think that... The way you described it, I thought that there was going to be more of a ownership and control takeover on the part of the woman okay. who's the, in the house there. And that wasn't the same as what I had envisioned in my mind. Like, I still found that she was, like, the prey and kind of on her heels most of the movie. There are a couple instances where she does take some control, like when she gets the crossbow and stuff. Yeah. But overall, she was still at the mercy of the home invader who I want to say was a fantastic, extremely creepy and scary villain, intimidating. Mm -hmm. Did you recognize him from Short Term 12? Oh, it was that that guy, yeah, Brie Larson's boyfriend? Yeah, it is. Oh my God, no, it didn't even (laughs) click. Wow, that's a tough look. I've only seen Short Term 12 once, even though I raved about it and I couldn't make that connection. Yeah, two completely Um, different characters for that actor. I am guilty of overhyping movies like I've been told that and maybe not explaining them at the at the best of my abilities and not recalling everything so that might have been my fault saying like she control and yeah no no, but, no I'm uh, definitely not blaming you for my <laughs> okay for my appreciation or lack thereof of the movie I still liked it overall <laughs> I didn't find it very scary though and like while there were still elements of suspense and it was definitely a good thriller I didn't really jump up like I did in Hill House. And I was kind of looking for those moments. Like in Hill Mm -hmm. House, I was scared every single episode. Wasn't really the case for this. But a nice little digestible watch. Not too gruesome. And Mm -hmm. I love the ending. I'll say that. Like that was definitely my favorite part of the movie. So finish strong. That's That's very important. Yes, exactly. So that was my analysis of Hush. So, and, uh, like Katie Siegel, the main, the main heroine, like she was great. She was really I thought she was, sure. yeah. Um, okay. And it's an easy watch, right? It's like, what, like an 80 minutes, 90 minutes. An hour and 20. Yeah. I love movies like that. Yeah, me just, too. Even if you're bored, it's almost over. Okay. So you watched that on Halloween. Did you watch it alone or with other people? No, I watched it alone. Oh, okay. and at night, that's the thing. It was like 11 o'clock when I watched it. So it was like the perfect setting for it. More thriller, obviously, than uh, 
You didn't get scared. Okay. Some people are more scared by home invasion movies, though, because it's realistic, because it can happen, as opposed to something like Hill House, where it can never happen. I mean, that we know of. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, no, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Like, I mean, I'd, I'd want you to watch, like, one Mike Flanagan film for one of, for each episode we do of what we watched. So, that, could be so that might be an idea, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Just throwing it out there, Eric. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Okay. Uh, I'll go with my movie now. Okay, so I've been. This is the. If I was going to pick one movie to talk about, it's going to be this one. So I'll just bring it up now. It's a movie from 1993, and it's called True Romance. And it's it's the Quentin Tarantino movie that he didn't direct because he actually wrote this whole movie. Um, And when you guys did your Tarantino episode, I was like, I almost like commented, like, sent a comment, like, talking about this movie and telling you guys you need to watch it because if you watch this movie it oozes Tarantino it's just that it came out the year before he made Pulp Fiction so he wasn't really superstar yet and he couldn't really direct everything so he had to sell off a script and so this movie comes on 93 and it's just like I love this movie I've seen it 10 times I remember renting it when I was 16 reading about it the script is the strength of the movie like just the dialogue like any Tarantino movie uh, you got the two main characters played by Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. They basically meet one night, fall in love. Christian Slater, our main character, like kills her pimp, takes some takes some drugs, and they both run off to L.A. And that's not a spoiler. That happens in the first 40 minutes or 30 minutes. And it's basically them on the road, and you're following them, and they're trying to like live their life. And they're just like recently in love. They're recently married, but they're... Like, you can tell they love each other, even only have having met after, like, a day or two. It's got a slew of good character actors in there. You got a super young Brad Pitt playing a stoner. Got, like, James Gandolfini, Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper, Gary Oldman. Just a lot of character actors you see, you would recognize. And it's just a really fun, darkly funny movie, like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. It's very similar to Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs in terms of kind of, it's funny, but it's not, like, screwball comedy it's just what they say is funny exactly um i just love true romance i think everyone should watch the movie um it's not a perfect movie but it's a really fun movie and there's like there's there's a really famous scene in the movie with dennis hopper and christopher walken it's always like talked about when viewing this movie because it's pretty controversial but uh, i i'm not going to explain the scene you just have to like watch it or read about it but it's like acting clinic by Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper and it's just classic stuff so you should definitely check yeah I mean I'm gonna recommend the movie to you Eric and you should watch it and you'll know exactly the scene I'm talking about because it's Christopher Walken's only scene in the movie it's just it's phenomenal so very similar then to his appearance in Pulp Fiction where he only has one scene right exactly yeah well exactly but this scene in True Romance is like people have seen True Romance know recall the scene instantly it's just hilarious in a, in a dark way, though. Okay. I strongly recommend this movie to anyone. If you like Tarantino, it's a no-brainer. You have to watch it. So. Okay, well, I'm definitely convinced that I need yeah. to, I'm going to watch this movie. Yeah. That's my homework. Never mind Mike Flanagan for the next one. I'm watching yeah, that. Just true, kidding, but... true romance. Well, yeah. Okay. If it's anything and like like you said, his early work, like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction are two of my favorites of Tarantino. So that's yeah. right in my wheelhouse. And I'm surprised that I haven't even... And I haven't even heard of this movie. The title, like, like it sounds familiar, 
but yeah. I had no idea there were any Tarantino ties to it. And yeah, yeah I mean, I'll well, definitely be checking Quen- this one out. Quentin Quentin Tarantino has been a little outspoken about like they changed a couple things in the script. Like if Quentin had directed this movie, it would have been more raw and maybe even darker. But um, the final product is a little maybe more lighthearted than Reservoir and Pulp Fiction. But it's still you can still see like all the Tarantino isms in the script and everything the characters say. And also the main actor Christian Slater, he's kind of fallen off big time in Hollywood, so he's. He had his little like string of movies in the 90s, late 80s, and now he's disappeared. So it's not like a big, a huge name attached to the movie. Mm-hmm. But Patricia Arquette's still like, she was a big name at the time yeah. and she's still known. So She was in Boardwalk Empire too for yeah, a few episodes. Very good in that, yeah. yeah. It's definitely a known movie, but like no one ever mentions it when they're like talking about 90s movies. Or Tarantino movies, I want to say. Or Tarantino. Yeah. Like I've never heard this brought up when discussing Tarantino's catalog so great first movie to bring up Matt oh I had to talk about it because every every two years I like I see it on my shelf and I'm like oh I'm gonna watch True Romance because that first time I rented it at Blockbuster and brought it home and watched it magical just loved everything about it like I said I'll definitely be throwing it on is it on Netflix I know you said you have Mm. it at home so I'll look for it somewhere crazy yeah Prime or Netflix, hopefully, come through okay. for me. If not, I'll bring it over. Okay, you might not see it for a while, but <laughs> thanks. Yeah, we, uh, anyways, we'll talk Boogie later Nights. about that. Boogie Nights and American Beauty. <laughs> it's okay, I know you still have them, right? So. Yeah, no, I was at my parents' okay. the other day, and I said, it's, it's there. It's on the okay. one of the speakers, right. actually. I can vividly right. picture it. So we'll, we'll get that out to you soon. <laughs> what's your next movie so i'm wondering if you've seen this now it's a netflix okay. original called it's a horror movie as well so back to back i actually watched this on november 1st kept Let's it going go. his house ah oh, i want to watch it okay I, i'm very curious on your review yeah i loved it it was so good oh. it's um definitely a scary movie and thankfully i watched it in broad daylight because i jumped up quite a few times definitely had me captivated the whole time again short movie an hour and a half it's about a um a couple a refugee couple from south of south sudan they're placed in a home on in the outskirts of london after being in an asylum for like three months after coming over in their um, the boat they came over in they start to feel like the house is haunted essentially and that ghosts that they left behind them in their voyage from Sudan to Europe came with them because they lost their daughter on the trip over and they feel like their daughter is haunting them in this house and that they don't belong here. So there's a, a big uh, air of mystery in the whole movie. It's you're kind of it, it was kind of like Hill House in the sense that you're unsure if what they're seeing is real or if it isn't. They start to see like skeletons in the walls and ghosts of their or projections of their daughter in the walls and in the room with them holding up a knife to them for example won't get into like this is again like you said or early part of the movie like let's say first 40 minutes that doesn't count as spoilers apparently so um it's hey, just true romance is two hours long so it's <laughs> it's like the beginning <laughs> that's good thanks for calling me out on that <laughs> but anyways so they just see a lot and you're not sure like it made me think of hill house like you're not sure if 
what they're seeing can actually affect them in the physical world. They do a great job answering all your questions at the end. I was captivated the whole time, terrified as well. The acting was phenomenal. It's um, I don't have the director's name off the top here with me there, but it was it's his directorial debut. He's getting a lot of praise for the movie, and I saw it on on Twitter that it was getting a lot of hype, and uh, I figured I'd throw it on. I was just going through these scary movies there, and um, it definitely lived up to the hype for me. Yeah, I would definitely recommend. No, that show. I'm glad you watched it because I saw it pop up obviously, and I read the description, and that's it. But now I'm gonna I'm gonna be watching it 100. percent because that's you, I just needed a little push from someone telling me it was good to watch it, and it looked really creepy. I saw the like the still images on IMDb, and it looked creepy. Maybe that's why I didn't watch it. That's why I watched it during the daytime. Yeah, that type of horror scares me the most. I believe where it's like like stuff like Hill House and uh, ghost stories. Basically, they're very like they get under my skin. And this movie will do that to you for sure. I'm super glad you're watching these horror. Like you give me a horror film recommendation, when you <laughs> like that's on? where we were heading. What is going on? That's awesome. I love one. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Yeah, no um, okay, so I'm gonna go with what I watched on Halloween. Okay. <laughs> it's super easy. I watched Halloween on Halloween, yeah, the original fitting. 1978 John Carpenter's Halloween, and I'm just gonna keep this brief because I think I talked about it last week. I watch it every year, maybe twice a year, and this time watching it, I was just, it was late, I was sitting on my, in my, on my couch, and I just pressed play, and then I just smiled the whole way through. I had a smile on my, the whole way, and I'm just like, trying not to recite the dialogue with the characters, because that's what I tend to do now, watching it by myself, and I'm just there laughing and smiling and enjoying everything about it, and the music, like I mentioned last time, the music, so epic. Great soundtrack. And... And then I look at my like phone and I'm like, oh my God, there's only 30 minutes left in this movie. And it just goes by so fast for me. It's a movie that's super familiar to me. And every time I watch it, it's just like nostalgic. And I think about all the other times I've watched it and it just makes me happy. Like the ex- experiencing the movie just makes me happy because I think about all the other good times I had watching the movie. And, you know, it's very, takes away all my stress away watching the film and, I just love these characters in the movie so much. And I know the movie's not perfect, like John Carpenter's other movie, The Thing, which is like a perfect horror film. But uh, I just, there's something special about 1978's Halloween, and I'll always keep watching it. So I just had, it was a must watch for me. And it might be, it might be dated now if you watch it, Eric, but I mean, that's what I love about it. Well, it's like we kind of talked about last episode where uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Would that be considered mm-hmm. dated nowadays? I didn't think so when I watched it. It was last year, two years ago that I watched it. So I'm sure yeah. I could see, like, I could appreciate Halloween as well. Like, I've appreciated the Maltese Falcon, for God's sake. So I think I can, uh, uh, I could enjoy a nice 78 John Carpenter Halloween. And now that I missed the window to watch Halloween, because it's, it's past Halloween. So now, do I have to move on to the thing now, or...? You know what? Once there's a blizzard outside, I'm watching the the thing first first chance I get. First like big snowfall. Okay. Perfect setting. And I would recommend the thing over Halloween during this time of year. And I do think Eric, you would appreciate Halloween because I mean, you've taken a film class before. You've seen the oldies, the classics, or classics for a reason because they don't they, Oh, phenomenal movie. <laughs> um you would appreciate Halloween for like, you would see like how innovative it is at the time, the stuff it's trying to do. 
just like when you watch Maltese Falcon, like you probably got a whole explanation onto like the importance of the movie and stuff. So, no, I think you have an eye for that and you would appreciate it um, because you, you would understand more, like you'd understand the importance of the film. One day, next Halloween maybe, we'll talk. Okay, so I missed the window then. I can't watch Halloween. I think there's just something special about watching it in October. Okay. All yeah. right. And who knows, maybe we'll do a... Uh, We'll do a franchise show, all 10 movies. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't want to torture you through all those because most of the sequels are horrible. But I, can, I can do another. I mean, we, do you want to do the movie we both watched? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Okay, so I'll just introduce it. Me and Eric both watched the Netflix original uh, Trial of the Chicago 7, directed by Aaron Sorkin and written by Aaron Sorkin. And the reason I mention him is he's written like, classic stuff like the social social network um a few good men steve jobs he's the creator of the shows like west wing and the newsroom he's got a really good ear for dialogue and this was his second directorial movie after uh, molly's game so that attracted me right away to the film but eric what did you i want your first impressions first of the film I thought it was good. I mean, it was a very intense movie and um, like relevant today still, I think, with like police yes. brutality, the riots, standing up against the institution, etc. So that's the big takeaway that I had from the movie. I thought the acting was phenomenal. Sasha Baron Cohen, mm-hmm. like Eddie Redmayne was great. My boy Pruitt from The Invitation. Don't know the yes. actor's name there. Ah, John was, Carroll Lynch. I was going to bring it up. He was, he was great. <laughs> and it just clicked to me the other day that he's in Fargo as well. Like the movie. He has a minor role. Like he's yeah. the, the police Marge's officer's wife. husband yeah. who gets like the stamp. Sorry, Marge's husband. Yeah. 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 At the end of the movie, so it just clicked randomly. I think after watching the movie, it clicked, even though I haven't seen more, Fargo in years. More on Fargo later. I want to talk about Oh, let's show. go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I like it. So yeah, those would be my initial thoughts on it. I honestly think I would merit from a second viewing of it because I think there's a lot for um, up for like analysis and just a lot to dissect out of that movie. But what did you think of it? I thought the first half was much better than the second half. Anytime, okay, so the movie's based on a true story, and anytime that happens, and then I see like the running time of the movie is like two hours or two hours, 10 minutes, I was like, there's no way they're gonna like squeeze in everything I'm gonna wanna get from this historic event. So I was a little like, okay, how are they gonna do this movie? And then there's a lot of like time jumps and passage of times going by, and I don't know if I was the biggest fan of that. Like going through everything pretty quickly and just showing specific stuff. And I don't know about you, but I didn't know anything about these events in this movie. I had no idea. Ditto. Didn't even know who these character characters were. And I agree, Sasha Baron Cohen, great. And Mark Rylance as their uh, defend, their the attorney that defends them. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good too. Like him and the ju- him and the judges' conversations and arguments was like gold. My, my, like what I thought of the movie was like, I love the first half. I was really into it. And then maybe teetered a little near the end where I was like getting a little tired. Didn't know where it was going really, but I'm glad I watched it. And then at the end when they explain like what happened to everybody, I appreciate stuff like that. That was great for sure. Um, but I thought like the highlights was the script and the acting for me. Like, I feel like this story could be told in a more epic movie where it's Hollywoodized where there's like more emotion as opposed to like this was like just great dialogue and almost like 
little episodic sometimes. I don't know if you feel that way. No, just I feel the, the way same I way, to be honest. Like, okay. I honestly didn't think it was that amazing. I thought it was like okay. an interesting story okay, that was told, but action was lacking yeah. and maybe even some character development. The biggest action piece that happens in the movie is when um, we find out that uh, John Hayden, so it, Eddie Redmayne, like incited a riot basically yes. at the end. Like that's his only character flaw that I could remember. And mm-hmm. then in the end, like he's, um, when we see what happens to him later in life, we see that he had a great impact in um, politics. Yeah. In politics. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, I also thought it was okay. I wonder if this would have been better served as like a mini series, like a limited seven episode series where we get to focus on each of the members individually, get their full backstories because you're right. It was all, I don't know if like, I don't know if I would have been captivated the whole time. I'm just saying maybe that would have been better to explain all their backgrounds because it's true. Even the root of their problem. I'm trying to think now it's, I'm kind of forgetting why they're all on trial to be honest. And that's kind of a problem considering I've just seen it like a few weeks ago but yeah i mean like i think you hit the nail on the head good dialogue um left a little underwhelmed at the end and lost momentum like i won't be going Mm. around recommending this movie as much as i will others like his house for example and others that we'll discuss later and as much as i was seeing it recommended on social media like i thought this was going to be like a a nine out of ten the way it was being praised and thought it was like it's pretty good it's pretty good. Very well, well said, Eric. Because me too, I saw a lot of praise. But I'm always up, like I'm always cautious. Like I'm not gonna believe someone like, oh, best movie. Like also that what I did not like. I've seen this in so many movies, and okay, that's that doesn't mean it shouldn't be good. But like talk about an event, then like flashing back to it, then flashing back forward, then like flashing back. Like that fragmented storytelling. I've seen that a mil. We've seen that a million times. Uh, like Social Network, who he wrote that movie. That's the whole movie where it's them in the courtroom and them flashing back to what happened. I felt like this, like he's using his old tricks again. And I don't know. I don't think it was that smooth in this movie that it wasn't. Then it wasn't Social Network. Right. Or in um, like Hill House, for example. Yeah. Exactly. Right. This was like Aaron Sorkin is very a very hyper filmmaker in terms of like the dialogue is super aggressive, fast. You're not. You're never really bored. There's always something going on. But then after a while, you might get fatigued. Like Molly's Game, I don't know if you've seen that, but it's, it gets very tiresome after a while. All the narration and the explanations you get. So, and I agree, a show would have told the story of the riot better, mm-hmm. 100%. It may not have been as entertaining as a two hour, than a two-hour movie, though. Like, I think history yeah. buffs would have eaten up that mm-hmm. show and loved it. And maybe yes. we would have too. Like we lo- we both like history a lot in, in yeah. movies for sure. Historical revisionism. Mm-hmm. I've said a bunch of times. I love seeing like historical events be incorporated in fictitious plots or just anything mm-hmm. that's like based on a true story is always interesting. But yep. And I bet you a million dollars, people that are old enough to remember will criticize the movie for like, well, this there's more stuff that happened. How come they only showed this part of it or this person or that person? How come this person is portrayed as a doofus or because apparently the the two like hippie guys like uh, um, Jerry Jerry Rubin and uh, Sasha's character what was his name Abby anyways Abby, Abby. Hoffman, like they're very say. smart they were very smart people and in the movie they're kind of portrayed a little like dumb well not dumb but they are smart in the movie but they're a little you know, like hippies, yeah they're I guess. they're portrayed as like comic relief but also yeah. very socio politically aware yeah they're very smart though apparently they were very smart in real life and I mean 
one of them, like Ruben ended up being like a, a businessman or something, a stock, a stockbroker or something, right? right? Till he got, yeah. They're, they made a lot of like satire commentary though in yes. the courtroom, right? So yes. that showed how they were intelligent, but also like they were some, sometimes a part of stupid comic, comedic moments. Correct. Like that whole scene near the beginning where it's like, just so we're clear, there's two uh, Hoffmans, Judge Hoffman, and that's it, a- Abby Hoffman. Right. And like all those jokes, like that's, it's, it's, I love that for the movie's sake. It's entertaining, but like telling a story, like a historical story, it's just like, you know, like there's no way in hell people do not talk like that in real life. And Aaron Sorkin is amazing at creating dialogue that you never hear people talk like, but it's so entertaining to see on the screen. Like Steve Jobs. Michael Fassbender as Steve Jobs, amazing like performance and dialogue, but like there's no way nobody talk nobody talks like that in real life to another <laughs> human. I mean, I hope not. I really hope not. So. <laughs> Same with Tarantino. Nobody talks like a Tarantino character. We love to see it on screen, though. We love it. Yeah, so. exactly. And Tarantino yeah. is kind of like you're going into a a world where ridiculous and outlandish things happen, whereas like Steve Jobs is the real person right so if you're right. seeing if you're putting ridiculous di- dialogue in a in a biopic basically for steve jobs you're kind of questioning the uh, validity yeah. of what's being presented on the screen whereas in tarantino you don't question it at all because that's what you expect from the style of tarantino and he's not trying to present real facts to you you're going in there as a, to, for an escape from reality whereas steve jobs would literally be steve jobs's reality with some ridiculous well dialogue, apparently. Yeah, well said, Eric. That's nothing needs to be said. That's exactly what I mean. And uh, people have criticized Steve Jobs for that, right? Like, oh, that's not an accurate depiction of Steve. You know, he's not that much of an asshole. Mm, Although apparently he kind of was. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're both lukewarm on the movie. Like maybe like I give it like a three star at most. Okay, I was just going to say Kinda 6 like, out of 10. So Yeah, 6 out of Okay, I like out of 10 ratings more. I thought yeah. you were going 3 out of 10. I'm like, damn, that's lukewarm. No, no, no. I rarely give less than 5 out of 10. Okay. That's like if there's issues with like the technical aspect of the movie or something. But, yeah, that's uh, fair, fair. Yeah, I enjoyed watching it. That's all I'll say. It's not something that I tell people to run to and like watch right away. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we discussed it though. Yeah, me too. And actually, that yeah. was a movie that your mom had written in, so thank you, Don Mary, that uh, I'd asked, like, what movies have you seen recently? And that was okay. her submission. It was Chicago 7. So we've gone over that. And we'll get, it to, we'll get to a few other submissions as well okay. that we got later in the They're evening. the ones, yeah, she told me to watch it, actually. Her and my dad watched it, so okay. I think they liked it more than I did, maybe. It would appear so. Yeah. Right. You want to go with your next one? Yeah. So I have a few that would segue nicely from Chicago 7, but I'm going to go with the one I liked more, which would be V for Vendetta. Oh, yes. So happy to hear that. I had never seen this movie until like three weeks ago now, because when I was a kid, I just remember seeing these trailers and I was terrified of this movie based on what the trailers showed. And I always picture this being like an extremely graphic movie creepy guy fox mask natalie portman though which always been a fan so mm-hmm. i mean now i'm older so i figured i'd give it I'd throw it on there man what a movie absolutely loved oh. it it was so good it's crazy that this movie is literally like a documentary so i was reading up on it today the year is this is from mm. wikipedia 
first sentence is to describe the movie. The year is 2020. The world is in turmoil. The United States have fractured as a result of a second civil war. And the pandemic of the St. Mary's virus is ravaging Europe. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) That's insane. This movie came out in 2005. And it's predicted kind of where we are in the world today. Just a great socio-political commentary of a movie. And again, with police brutality, the um, oppression of the government against censorship um, like the white yeah. supre- white supremacists basically uh-huh. running um, Europe and London I believe in the movie mm-hmm. V so our main character basically wants to tear down the institution and bring down government and it's fitting that we're recording this episode on November 5th because that's oh when oh my god right that's when the oh action takes place in the movie <laughs> they make a point of saying in the oh. first scene basically that re- I think it's what remember November 5th is that the quote? Remember, remember the 5th of November. There you go. So I've only seen the yeah. movie once. But yeah, it's crazy. So I guess every year V for Vendetta is trending on Twitter on November 5th. And I saw that this morning. So now I get it because I've seen the movie. But yeah, I absolutely love this movie. Strongly Good. recommend. I don't really want to spoil it, what happens at the end. Like there, there isn't that much. Like There is great action throughout the movie, don't get me wrong. But it isn't as graphic as I used to think it was when I was a kid watching those trailers, just to bring it back to that. Yeah. His character's action scenes are phenomenal, though. I love them. They're so cool. Mm-hmm. And just how he uses his knives and runs through these his, um, his enemies. One of the best scenes at the end with the knives. Oh, oh. so good. I, I, like, I can quote that scene. This, like, when you just told me right now that you watched it like my heart i i love this movie i i don't want to talk i want a fangirl over it or fanboy over it but i'm a like 10 this movie's a 10 out of 10 to me it's one of my favorite all-time movies it gets believe it or not eric it gets better every time you watch it and you notice a lot of things you miss i remember seeing this in the theater i saw this in the theater i was 14 i was blown away and I was scared, actually. Because okay, I was just going to say, so you definitely weren't scared if you went to see it in theaters, but I, I guess so. <laughs> I don't blame Well, you. I was scared of, like, the, the themes. Like, mm. the whole government stuff is scary. Right. Like, okay, well, we're not going to get into the spoilers, but, like, when you find out... Okay, basically, when you find out what the detective is searching for the whole movie and he discovers the truth, that is fucked up. Oh, mm. I'm... Whoa, I'm so sorry. Hey, man. <laughs> words have never been spoken. <laughs> It's really messed up what he finds out. And you know what? Especially nowadays. I'm not saying what he finds out in the movie is what's going on in real life. Not at all. But I'm just saying there's parallels. And I love the Stephen Ray character who plays... Like, Stephen Ray plays the detective. Love that character and the investigation. Going to each victim and figuring out the ties to our main protagonist. And uh, Hugo Weaving as V, Eric. Like, you don't, you don't see his face. But can't you just, like, feel the emotion in his voice and his mannerisms? Absolutely. Phenomenal. So Phenomenal. So too. Like, his pronunciation oh. is just on point. Yeah. Speaking the, goals. Yeah. And, like, I, during the scene with the two cops at the beginning, his whole speech with saying each word with a V. Like, stuff I want to talk about happens at the end, so I'm not going to... I'll stick to other stuff. I don't know if it's a spoiler, but, like, the, the, the movie takes place during a long stretch of time. And, like, the whole journey of Natalie Portman's character, to me, is phenomenal. Like, her evolution from the first scene to the last scene. Yep. Love it. Love Great the ending of this of age, movie. If you exactly. Will. Yeah. Well, coming, like, her character, 
completely transforms right. you know like from a larva to a butterfly yeah, that's exactly what i was thinking too uh and nice. like i feel like watching the movie t- right now actually and the fact that it's november 5th like you sent goosebumps through my whole body like that's i was crazy. just like oh my god and i know my mother's a faithful listener and she freaking loves this movie too so she like she'll have a blast listening to this so good and i, and I can just, definitely see how yeah. there's stuff you pick up with multiple viewings mm-hmm. And um, I definitely look forward to rewatching this movie. I probably I'll mm-hmm. give it a couple of months there, but I'm definitely that's gonna be a movie that I throw on in rotation mm-hmm. for sure. It's I, I was surprised at how good it was to be honest. I had never really heard people praise it that much. Maybe a few, but it, it, to me it wasn't a movie that I heard in like regular discussion thrown about yeah. as like a classic or as like a ten out of ten, like you said. But I definitely see it being worthy of that praise. And it's like an 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb, so oh, that's really good. I've Eric, I've never met somebody who's told me they've seen it and didn't like it. Everybody I know who's watched it likes it. It's just not a movie, though, that a lot of people seek, maybe because for it's like, it's not like the jolliest atmosphere in the movie, right? It's very dark and depressing. And Distorted. John Hurt, who, exactly, and like John Hurt, who plays like the president or the prime minister, like he's like, you're getting like vi- like dictator vibes, right? Yeah, and it's like just big like brother, a, a 1984. exactly. Thank you, yeah. thank you. But which he actually starred in the movie John Hurt. Funny enough, as a main character. Oh yeah, okay, um, nice. Yeah, um, tidbit there. Yeah, um, no, I. Everybody, like, go watch this movie if you haven't. Especially like now, like, just watch it for that, like. The parallels to 2020 like how weird is that eric oh the fact that it takes place <sighs> in 2022 yeah. blew me away yeah i'm super glad you enjoyed it by the way like i'm that makes me very happy i'm not gonna say more like i could do a whole like analysis on the movie but that'd be spoiling it but the like like i alluded to before the knife scene at the end like the action scene we get without spoiling like i love what he says to the last guy and like what goes on there and when oh i just love that well you you definitely uh, know it more than me because i don't remember all of the quotes uh, that are said but i just remember the progression of how that scene is um, okay. developed and builds up i was loving it the whole time just so cool to see and uh maybe i'll after we get off i'll like i'll do the scene like i i pretty much memorized <laughs> the last like monologue he says anyways should i go next with my other yeah. movie yeah give her okay i got two left and they're both completely different okay you pick which one i got a war movie or a comedy oh we just did a pretty <laughs> intense one let's let's uh, lighten it up a little with the comedy okay good call because the war movie is like the most depressing thing i've ever seen almost <laughs> but <laughs> but i just want to like mention it after okay the comedy i watched this comedy from 1980 starring kurt russell who, as you as people know, he's the main actor in The Thing, which is like my favorite horror movie, or second favorite. So the movie I watched with Kurt Russell is called Used Cars. And it's all about Kurt Russell owning like a used car lot on the opposite side of the street. There's this big like commercial used car lot owned by Jack Warden's character, who's like the bully in the movie, the bad guy, and they're always competing with each other. And the whole movie is basically... One wanting to shut the other person down and competing. But what I loved about this movie is just like the comedy because it's, it's 
80s comedy gold like just outrageous stuff that you would never see nowadays in a comedy because of like people are too sensitive um so it's just like some politically incorrect stuff and it's just i loved it it's uh used cars um and like like i said i'm a huge kurt russell fan so like this was a no-brainer when i decided to watch it i picked up the blu-ray i was like i need to watch this movie and i've talked to older people that like were around when the movie came out and they remember it coming out it kind of made like it came out people watched it and then it was kind of forgotten over the years so I don't know. I just saw the Blu-ray of this movie and knew I had to watch it. And I was not disappointed. Okay. Used cars. I've never heard of used it. Used cars. But, uh, yeah. I mean, we always need some maybe inappropriate comedy movies yeah. that wouldn't fly today. But in 40 years, a lot has changed in that time, right? So. Oh, my God. Like, absolutely. There's just one specific scene. It's like, there's no way in hell this would happen now. So, yeah, so I recommend, if you like 80s comedies, don't hesitate. It's, it's really funny, and it's a quick, it's, it's not, it's under two hours, but it's a super quick watch, always stuff going on. I'm very curious to hear your next one, Eric. <laughs> well, this one, again, unfortunately, you're probably not going to like me for saying that I don't want to spoil the end because it's a huge part of it, but I watched the 2000 cult classic American Psycho. Oh. Oh my God, we're going to be here all night. Christian Bale. And uh, even though I said that I don't want to talk about the ending, I'll just say that it completely threw me off. Left me Googling ending, American Psycho ending explained, just trying to understand what I just watched. Because in the like the final 15 minutes, things really ramp up and I was expecting to get some sort of resolution. And it definitely wasn't what I was expecting. But after doing some reading on it, and it... It kind of made sense to me at the same time, and I had some, some sort of um, idea that 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 might be the direction they go in, especially with the um, like when he goes to his apartment later in the movie, and it's it's completely different kind of thing. So, um, I thought it was great. I loved Christian Bale was fantastic as Patrick Bateman, our protagonist, I guess, the American Love Psycho. Him. Yeah. And it was really funny too. Like it's um yes, it's hilarious. I think, I think with more viewings I'd find it even funnier because I, I didn't know how scenes were gonna play out, even though in my mind I always had it that he would basically kill the person he's in the scene with. Not always the case, but of course people know that he's a, a killer, right? So like the scene with um Paul Allen uh, played by Jared yeah. Leto like, I feel like it's not supposed to be funny, but it still is. Hilarious. Like, try getting a reservation at Dorcia now or something like that. When he's With the axe, him. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there are some lines that actually floored me, and I wrote this one down. <laughs> it falls in line with this scene. It's when he's getting interrogated by um, Willem Dafoe's character, yeah. asking him where he was on the night of Paul Allen's disappearance, so his murder victim. And then he's kind of stumped, like he's nervous. He feels like he, Willem Dafoe is onto him or something, and he's, he's just very uncomfortable. <laughs> and then he goes with, yeah, we, um, we went to a new music called Oh Africa, Brave Africa. It was a laugh riot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember that scene. He's trying to, like, make up alibis and say where he <laughs> exactly. was, and it's how... But also the stuff in the movie, he kind of says it out loud, but it's almost like it's what's going on in his head. Like the scenes with his secretary. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, you know when his secretary's at his house and he, like, pulls out this huge nail gun? 
he's like just has it behind his back and then like, he doesn't know what he's doing i don't know i i love american psycho and i have my interpretation of the ending which is one of them if you read online it's one of the explanations but i don't think the author of the book has even said what the explanation is and it, we might have to figure it out for ourselves because that last scene like the phone call without spoiling like the phone call and like the the last scene for sure throws the whole movie into like what happened mm-hmm. yeah so interesting you made that point about like the things he says out loud that are like outrageous statements <laughs> like when he's at a bar at the bar like one of the first scenes in the movie when he's at the bar and the he asked the bartender i don't i forget if he asked her to get him a drink or something and she turns around and then he just starts talking like is wild and then you can kind of excuse him for saying that in the sense that or she's not hearing him because of the loud music mm-hmm. but then it keeps happening later in the movie where he's like just having dinner with his wife and he says some ridiculous statements like uh, about acts of violence and she doesn't hear him so the way i saw that as it kept happening in the movie and i also read up on this and it kind of confirms it is that these are just like you said the thoughts going on in his head and blurs the lines between fiction and reality so then we're left to wonder like what's real what's not kind of thing so mm-hmm. that's definitely an interpretation mm-hmm. of like how the way he says these things you're not sure if he's actually saying them or not and another line he says is like he's like i like to dissect girls do you know i'm utterly insane <laughs> he says <laughs> that in front of the girl and i'm just like oh okay what did you think of the business card scene in the office too it was so weird like i, I don't it's know so hilarious. no it's so weird but they're all like trying to one-up each other and the way they like the mute the editing and the music like the sound effects in that scene when they're like opening the lid of their business card case and they're like talking about like the like the ridges on the card and yeah the font and the color like i went with bone this is a bone white and i love that i just think that scene makes me laugh what does it mean though what does that scene mean you think like to the naked eye, all those business cards look the same. No one's noticing discrepancies okay. in them, right? So, so that's a good, well, good point, Eric. So maybe it just means it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's just the fact that the way they're describing it, or um, one of his coworkers, like that, the coworker that has a scene with him near the end in the men's washroom. If you remember that guy, yeah, yeah. that kind of like throws other stuff out of loop. Um, like there's a lot of stuff with him that kind of explains the ending um but the paul allen character jared leto's character like you've you notice like he never he always calls patrick something else Mm -hmm. which Mm. was weird but well it all i mean maybe after we get off i'll tell you my explanation or we just do spoilers and i explain right now i don't know it's up to you i mean it came out 20 years ago that is true all right, have at it. I want to hear. Have at it. Okay, I was just gonna mention the scene like where he's the the sex scene with the with the Phil Collins song, and he's like looking at himself in the mirror, and that <laughs> that scene the, the, dying, me. dying. He's like loves himself more than what he's doing. Oh he's my god, like, that oh. scene was hilarious. <laughs> he's like yeah. pointing to himself, <laughs> and the whole like, do you like Huey Lewis in the news? And he goes into a monologue until like, do you like Phil? Do you like uh, Phil Collins? And oh my God. My explanation, so spoiler warning here. My explanation of the movie is that Patrick Bateman doesn't actually exist. It's actually like some uglier 
out of shape version that created this whole fantasy world of being Patrick Bateman and he works like a dead end job and it's all like just a fantasy in his head him living like the Manhattan socialite life and like being rich and stuff and there's some stuff in the movie that's actually like the main characters go like we see Christian Bale but it's really like another character just picture like another character doing all these things but he sees himself as Patrick Bateman a good really good looking in shape executive guy like that's my explanation it's it's all a fantasy okay so like basically nothing we don't we don't really see our main character ever we're only seeing what's going on in his head kind of thing because like who would our main character be who is the person fantasizing about being Patrick Bateman what what made you think that this could be what we're seeing on screen is his fantasy people calling him the wrong name and stuff that's contradicting the act. And well, like all the stuff that he's like, like this, the basically the scene at the ending where he's like, cops are after him and he like all the weird stuff happening. And that's when the character's starting to realize that it's all fantasy. And I think there's a lot of scenes that actually happen in the movie to our main character, but as a viewer, we're seeing them as, a, as Patrick Bateman. Like the, the, our main character would have a shrink and call him and, our main character would work in an office with maybe some of those people. But it's just as a viewer, we're seeing the actor Christian Bale play him and we're supposed to think it's Patrick Bateman, but it's really John Doe who works at this office who's a loser, basically. Okay, because that would have been my question is that how is he still interacting with all these high rollers if he isn't really successful at all, right? Because yeah. he still is in these meetings with them. We see that, but in reality, it could be a meeting... And go completely differently. It's, it's it's a soup. Believe me, my explanation is very like, it's not far fetched, but like you have to accept so much to believe what I think is happening. But I just think there's a lot of weird stuff going on that gives some hints to why it could be that. But like oh, I said, this movie, you can have you can have so many different interpretations. It could be Patrick Bateman as Patrick Bateman, and he has a fantasy. Like I don't think he has killed anybody, Eric. He has never killed anybody. That's my thing. And the scene with the prostitutes, he could just pick up one, pay, do the thing, and then that's it. But then he fantasizes about like killing them in gruesome ways. Like you know when he drops the chainsaw on the girl, that sh that that drop and hitting her is way too. There's no way that would happen. It's just too perfect. That's just in his head. Precision. Exactly. That's just in his head of him killing her that way. And why would she even come back? Why would she even come back to his place the second time? I don't know. Right. And also, how is no one responding to the fact that there's a, a chainsaw going off yes. in the building, right? 100%. Like, that was just wild to me. And the and screaming, yeah. There's definitely a lot that you can assume didn't happen, for sure. And, like, the scene in the men's washroom at the end where one of the coworkers like, calls him a different name and, like, kind of, like, puts a move on him like yep. kind of like gay relationship and like you're questioning like what what's going on and that's and the lot like when he stares at the camera at the end and says like what does he say like i am uh he no he says i am simply not there that those are the last lines of the movie he just stares at the camera like like anthony perkins in, at the end of psycho and says he's just like i am simply not there and that could be taken as like emotionally or physically or you know like he's just an image a fantasy anyways american psycho always rewatch it i love it
I'm for sure again gonna rewatch yeah. this one as well because like we've discussed, there's so much up for interpretation. I don't know if you noticed this, but I've noticed on other subsequent like multiple viewings when he's doing his workout at the beginning, he's watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre on the TV okay, in the background. Yeah. And do you like at the beginning, like he describes his morning routine and it's so outrageous. He's like, I apply this on my face and then a coat of this. And then I do 3000 crunches a day or a thousand crunches a day. And it's just, I find that shit funny. I don't know why. It's true. It definitely could be like some fantasy of a a guy wishing he actually did all these things because who does a thousand crunches every morning and to, to maybe reach that physique, you would need to do that. And this Mm -hmm. person is fantasizing about already having it and not having to put in that much work to get it and maintain it. Right. So who knows? No, I was going to say, you've watched some, like, movies that I'm really passionate about, so this is excellent. What's your uh, what's your war movie? War movie? Okay, I'll keep this one brief, because it's, like, it's not super known, but it was just released by the Criterion Collection. It's a war movie from the 80s called Come and See. It's a Polish movie, and it's a movie about the Eastern Front during World War II, the Russian, the Russian-German Front, and I just want to highlight this movie because it's probably the most honest depiction in any movie of the war atrocities and the state of mind during the in the rush in the eastern front during world war ii super beautiful movie to look at camera wise um the, the colors but super hard movie to get through because it's so emotionally emotionally draining and very brutal uh movie and if my second time watching it, and after the, after it ended, I was like, I don't know if I want to rewatch this movie because I was getting mad at it for being too like, honest and depicting, uh, depicting war that way. And the reason why it's the most hardest, like one of the most hardest war movies to watch, is not only is it showing you grisly images, but the sound in the movie and some of the editing. It start. It, it's almost like the movie's presented what's going on in the main character's head. So like if he's hearing all these things, the viewer is hearing it like it too. So like the camera will move frantically and the sounds will just assail you and cause you to feel kind of what our main character is feeling like. And like images will flash to the screen and it's very trippy actually. It's different from any war movie like Fury or Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List, like any American war movie. This one is tries to put you in the mindset of our main character, who's this boy, by the way, who joins the Russians. He's just like a 12-year-old boy. And then you see him age. Like, they, you see him, like, his evolution through, like, wanting to join to at the end where he's had enough. And it's just a very powerful movie. And a very it's like an art house horror film that's super powerful. I bet it's probably mentioned in film classes, 100%. I'd, I've never been to film class, but... It's just a super hard watch, but like you're glad you watched it because you know you've seen something special. Yeah, those are my two cents on the movie. It's called Come and See. It definitely sounds intense. Yeah, it is. It is. A tough to watch coming of age story, I guess. A Bildungsroman. Yeah. yeah, you're you're following a main character. Yeah, it's through the eyes of our like the the young boy. So, but it's just so it's it's beautiful to look at though. That's what's messed up about it it's shot amazingly and the techniques too and you're just like oh my god why does it look so good but so brutal 
Yeah. Does it focus? Like, do we get a lot of? I'm assuming not, but I'm gonna ask. Still, like big set piece action scenes. Or it's mostly just the war experience and this character growing up in that setting and dealing with these hardships, basically, yeah, and like making decisions based on what he's told from his officers and learning through their from them basically as to what's right yeah. and wrong in his mind. Yeah. It, geez. Yes. And it's very episodic too. Like 20 minutes, 20 minutes spent in this scenery where these people, and then oh, moves on to the next thing, moves on to this village. This is what's going on in this village moves on, finds somebody else. Like he's always like keeps, it's like an adventure almost. But then the last set piece, which is the most brutal in the movie is just like devastating where it's just like, mass like destruction and i'm not going to get into it but it's it's the war atrocities of the eastern front which is one of the most brutal things to ever happen during world war ii maybe second second brutal to only like the japanese chinese war atrocities so um yeah i'll leave it at that can't recommend the movie enough it's just like an important piece of cinema okay but maybe yeah. just a good one-time watch maybe not i mean if you're serious about movie yeah, sorry. If you're like if you're like a movie buff and you want to like you want to appreciate like the you want to see something different out of the ordinary, I recommend it. It's definitely interesting and like war movies hit or miss really and they're normally intense so you kind of know what you're getting into going into it and it's eye-opening to see those kind of movies and to be in the skin of the people who have actually done these things and had to suffer with the consequences of that and the repercussions of the rest of their lives like ptsd i don't know if it gets into that with this movie there later but it's just always um it's those are always tough movies to watch right mm -hmm. so but important to watch as well so i'll definitely come and see <laughs> that's good that's funny <laughs> yeah let me know I'll, I'll lend it to you in a heartbeat like okay uh, it's probably not easy to find but who knows with streaming it might be easy to find so all right, you're going to lighten the mood up, lighten up uh, with another movie that's oh, a little lighthearted? I have a ton. I'm just going to say, like, I'm, I won't talk about this one. I'll just say that I actually followed another one of your recommendations and watched Searching. Okay. I enjoyed it a lot, actually. I'm not going to talk about it more than that. I just want to say, like, I liked it. It was a good movie. Okay, good. I like the way it was shot and uh, different storytelling style and a lot of good twists and turns along the way. And um, definitely recommend searching. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Speaking of Netflix, so this is kind of a deviation from our films that we've been watching. But I want to turn my attention to a Netflix series that I devoured in two days that just released a few weeks ago called The Queen's Gambit. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Have you seen this or no? No, I know what it is, though. Okay. So I'll yeah. just give a brief rundown on what the series is. So going into it, I had no idea what this was about. I just saw Queen in the title, saw it was trending number one on Twitter. A lot of people were raving about on, sorry, number one in Net, on Netflix, trending on Twitter, the usual. And Netflix will normally promote their own products, right? Like a Netflix series normally goes to the top of the queue. That's one of the heavy promotions that you're seeing on the preview mm -hmm. screen, blah, blah, blah. So... I just saw this and I'm like, okay, it could be interesting. could be like a Victorian set drama. And um, I saw that the actor who plays Jojen Reed was in it as well. And the girl, <laughs> Anya Taylor-Joy, who I hadn't seen in anything, but I'm like, intrigued. You know, so I um, threw it on. And by the first, like, five, ten minutes, I was hooked. 
and I destroyed this series, like I said, in two days. It's basically about an, um, an orphan, so played by Anya Taylor-Joy, who plays Beth Harmon. She's an orphan who um, grows up in this, um, basically an adoption home where the kids are basically regulated and uh, take these pills every day to keep them at a certain state of mind and under the control of those who run or running the institution. But the main storyline is about Beth who becomes a chess playing prodigy. And while, when I've recommended the show to a few people and saying that it's about a, a young girl who's a chess prodigy might not sound that interesting to some. It's extremely fun to watch. It's a funny show. Makes watching chess matches extremely captivating. It's a competitive mm-hmm. environment. Just seeing her ascension in the world of chess as she goes on to play in tournaments, win, of course, and just make a, a name for herself in this world was super fun to watch. And... Like I said, I, I crushed the show, and I wish I had more episodes to watch. It's only it's a limited series, so they won't be making a second one, as far as I know. Anyways, who knows that? Like everyone's loving the show, and can't talk about it enough. I've recommended it to so many people already. So if you're listening to this, and I've already recommended it to you, and you haven't watched it, I don't know what you're doing. So definitely, Matt, watch this show if you need a show, because it was fantastic. I will, because our our aunt and uncle, uh, Pat and Nicole, they've I think they were watching it and they said it was really good. So yeah. you're the second person now. And I will be watching it after, but I started a show you've been telling me for years to watch. Let's go. Fargo. So I've, I only started last night, so I'm on episode two. But after the first 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, this is a show for me. Honestly, it reminds me of the movie. And I'm surprised how much it reminded me of the movie, even though it's a no-brainer. It's the same title. But like, I was just like, I love this world. And... I just love it. So, I mean, I'll, I'll keep giving updates. I'm only on episode two, so I'll talk more about it when I'm done season one and two. But, like, I just want to thank you for that. And I finally got my butt in gear and watched it. I'm glad glad um, to hear that. Yeah. I know uh, it only gets better to it. Uh, you'll okay. love it for sure. Yeah. I love it. And um, and Queen's Gambit, Anya Taylor-Joy, she was in my like one of my favorite horror movies, The Witch. So I love her. I'll, like, I'd watch Queen Ga- Queen's Gambit just for her, because I'm a big fan of hers. Um, she was also on, in Peaky Blinders, the TV show. Mm, okay. And then a couple other like indie movies, but no, she's I really like her. So steals the show. You, you don't need to convince. Like I'm gonna watch Queen's Gambit. It's like ten episodes. No, it's seven episodes. Oh. Mm. So they're all like from 45 minutes to an hour. I think the the last episode is like an hour and seven okay. minutes. So very good show. But, Excellent. And, um, like good humor in there as well, which like I'm big on in a good series like that's intense and um, deals with a lot of heavy themes in there as well. Like family mm-hmm. again coming of age, growing up in a world without parent. Like she's an orphan, right? So dealing with that and um, a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. Don't really need to get into it that much more. I just really I strongly recommend this show. Now I'm left without a show to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I have two great shows to watch now, thanks to you. So it's awesome. Cool. I'm still unsure though. Am I watching all seasons of Fargo or just one and two? So I loved one <laughs> and two. I watched three only once, and I really okay. like like the maybe the last three or four episodes of it. I really enjoyed, but I just didn't find the characters to be as captivating. The story wasn't as good. Definitely not. 
and I'm, I'm big on villains, right? So, like I said, right. Billy Bob's character is a fantastic villain. You'll see in season two as well, great villains. And in season three, the villain actually got a lot of praise. It's the actor who plays um, Professor Lupin in um, Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Um, his name will come to me. So it's that but, guy. Uh, yeah. And he like fits the mold of the villains we've seen in previous seasons of Fargo. But I, I just did not like him at all. And I didn't like our protagonists either. There are a few characters that I liked. And there's one, there's one big reveal that happens at w- in one of the episodes that I loved. But that was literally the only time in that season that I was really into it. And it, it basically happens at the end of one episode and then the beginning of the next and after that, it's like some other stuff happens, and you, you could never guess what happens there, but okay. it's not as good. And season four, like, the reviews aren't as good. I've only watched the first nah. episode, and I'm not that interested in watching it, so. Yeah, he the, that actor played the villain in Wonder Woman as well, yep, right? Exactly. David Aries. David Thewlis. Aries. David Thewlis. Mm. Which, sure. that's a spoiler, <laughs> but I think, I think everyone's seen Wonder Woman, so it's not really a spoiler, right? No, yeah, yeah. Okay, well... I'm on episode two, and I, like Martin Freeman, he's already got me. Like, what? Like, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, he's great for sure. Yeah. Billy Bob, I always like Billy Bob, and he he's doesn't so do enough stuff. Season, yeah. Man. Like, I don't know about you, but Bad Bad Santa, like, I'm always in stitches watching that movie. Never seen it. Oh, it's vicious, like viciously funny. You got any other movies? Yeah, I have a few others I could rattle okay. off. Like not not as yeah, much analysis off. or thought on them. I watched Lawless the other day as well. It's a rec- yeah, recommendation of a friend of the program, Basam. So thank you for that. Guy's a huge Shia LaBeouf stan. So he of course recommended <laughs> this movie to me. It's on Netflix. I mean, I thought it was pretty enjoyable. Didn't have to think too much about what was going on. Just some good action and uh, like seeing. Uh, a story in that world is always cool, like cowboys basically in the Prohibition era. Sheila Buff, um, Tom, Tom Hardy, and the other actor, forget his name. Je- is Jessica Chastain in it? Jessica Chastain, yeah. She was great in that as well. And um, yeah, it was good. I mean, that's pretty much all I had to say about it. I think maybe some of the characters were a little underdeveloped. And Tom Hardy's character just surprised me how this man is straight up invincible. Couldn't believe I heard I heard about that part in the movie, the neck thing. Oh, you've never seen it? No, but I've heard about that. No, I've never seen the movie, but I heard a lot about it. Oh, okay. Well, like right. the whole it's neck thing, right? No spoilers, yeah. but uh, yeah, there's, there's a neck thing, all right. Yeah, that's all I heard. Very unrealistic. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Solid, good for what it was. Next one, I watched The Devil All the Time. Did you watch that? Sadly, no. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it. It was very creepy, unsettling, great acting. Like, going into it, that's what I was most looking forward to was the all-star cast. You mm-hmm. got Tom Holland playing a role that we, like, I've never seen him in, really. I only know him playing Spider-Man, like, PG-13 humor for kids, right? Where this is a very dark and gritty movie. Robert Pattinson plays the reverend in his town fantastic uh, bill skarsgård plays tom holland's father they look closer in age than okay anyways. so basically the story is told in two different timelines where we see a young bill skarsgård oh. when tom holland's character is still a child and then later on 
you see a grown-up okay. Tom Holland as okay. and uh, Bill Skarsgård is no longer in the picture, right? The actor isn't there anymore because time has elapsed. But um, there's yeah, like a few other great good actors in there. I thought that again, I'm gonna say the same thing about Lawless about Devil all the time than I did about Lawless is that some of the characters when you have a big ensemble cast like that you have the potential for underdeveloped characters and some jumps in a storyline that they wasn't really well teed up and some things definitely happened at the end of the movie that I don't think they did a good job at hinting that this could happen and it was meant to be like some big twist that I don't think was properly vetted so it definitely isn't a perfect movie, but I was definitely interested in like I was captivated watching the movie and it's some scary stuff in there as well. Like it's a thriller, a mystery, some brutal stuff in there. So definitely interesting. And uh, Tom Holland killed it as the lead in this movie. He was so good seeing him in this kind of role. I absolutely loved him in this movie and the dynamic with Robert Pattinson too is really good plays a very um, unsettling reverend so i don't know i don't really uh, want to get into it too much because i don't want to spoil anything there but yeah. i would recommend yeah, you'll like it matt okay and i'm sh- kicking myself but like the two times i started like i was gonna watch the movie i never pressed play because i looked at the running time and i was like i don't have time to watch all this because it's over two hours right yeah and i was just it tur- i'm not gonna lie it turned me off the two times i was gonna start it and i'm like i'll watch something shorter so, but you know what? Uh, somebody else I know has watched it and like, Matt, you'll really like it. So uh, it's going to go on the list, the infinite list that will never end of stuff to watch. Yeah, the oh. beauty of mute movies, right? Oh, yeah. But it's also like, yeah, the beauty and also like the, the exhaustion sometimes. of The beauty and the beast. <laughs> uh, God. And I, I have one more movie that I listed okay. that I know for a fact you've seen once or twice. An absolute classic, Silence of the Lambs. Ooh. That's yes. just too good. Seen it like five times now. Never gets old. Uh, I could awesome. watch it again in a couple of days, no doubt. Yep. Anthony Hopkins cements himself as one of the goats. And I've o- I've only really seen him in a few movies and in um Westworld, in which, again, fantastic as Robert Ford, but can't top Hannibal Lecter. And I re-listened to our episode on the villains, Every Hero Needs a Villain, episode 35, where we go over our favorite villains in movies and cinema, and Hannibal Lecter was your number one. I didn't put him on my top five list because all my other villains were characters that I've seen in more movies. or Yeah, just seen more, I'd say, in but Hannibal Lecter is definitely one of the best villains of all time. And what I love about the movie is that, and this is something I said in the episode, is I love when villains and heroes work together for a collective good. Even though he has his own agenda and it, like it leads to him being able to escape cust- federal custody. But he genuinely cares about Clarice Sterling, FBI agent, and um, wants to help her and see her grow as a person, become a butterfly where she's been stuck as a cocoon at, as a student at the FBI and um, he becomes a great father figure to her, a mentor helps her on the case, another great villain in Buffalo Bill and um, yeah but Hannibal steals the show, 16 minutes of screen time yeah. got him that 
leading actor academy award exactly leading yeah. actor for i know such yeah. a short amount of screen time yeah. but his impact is undeniable and just so many classic lines and i one of them that always kills me is that the, one of the best closing lines in a movie is um I wish I could chat for longer, but uh, I'm having an old friend for dinner. It's just too good. It is. Yeah. Every scene with him and Clarice and like their their face to face in the prison is like legendary. It's acting clinics by two actors that are like in their prime or not in their prime, but like at the top of their game basically. And yep. it's just I love it. And like this was you've seen it multiple times right like did you notice anything in this last viewing that you hadn't noticed before or anything you appreciate more now than ever in this movie well i honestly I, the whole time i kept looking at anthony hopkins to see if he would blink and he does a couple of times okay. actually because okay. i was wa- curious to see if he actually never blinks on screen he does ah. and one of the times that it's most pronounced is when he turns away from clarice when she's telling him a story in the right. cell and yeah right now the story is escaping me i think it's when she goes to live with her um uncle on the farm mm-hmm. that's the story but she hasn't told the full uh, resolution of the story yet there but it's the first time that she actually really opens up about moving there he turns away from her and he is blinking when he's listening and talking to her. So maybe when he faces her, he doesn't blink. That's definitely one thing I noticed watching it this time. I love that scene because he purposely turns away when she's talking. He doesn't want her, he doesn't want her to see his reactions to what she's saying. But then he quickly turns around to question her and then retreats. It's like, yeah. it's brilliant. Okay. It's, it's always a good idea to just revisit a classic once in a while just to like... You know it's going to be good. You're just going to have a good time and you don't have to like think like, oh, am I going to like this movie or taking a chance? Half the movies I watch or rewatch is a stuff I know I'll like. So, I mean, and that's why I own all these movies. In the end too, like Buffalo Bill just, he had her. He had the upper ground. He couldn't resist Eric. Because he had that's to like reach out. He covets. He, right. yeah, he had to reach out. How creepy is it though when she like, he opens the door and it's her and like she doesn't know who the hell he is and you're just like oh my god yeah. where they mix up like the fbi are at the wrong house yeah. classic like police inability or like inefficiency yeah. really yeah but that's that's a great way to show how they're off and she's on and like uh you, you keep you think that it's the fbi at his house right because the, mm-hmm. the way the scene is cut up and edited. Yes. So that's always great. Um, but Brilliant then segueing editing. into something else that I've started to watch now. So back in like 2017, I was re- I had read Red Dragon and Hannibal Rising, and I watched all the movies. So actually, I didn't watch the Hannibal Rising movie, but I watched Sons of the Lambs, Red Dragon, Hannibal and then I had started watching the series Hannibal as well and I watched the first season and I loved it all but I was just like just eating up all that content no pun intended and I I had to (laughs) stop like I kind of lost interest in the series because I was just I can again consumed in such a short amount of time and I stopped watching the show, but now I just restarted watching the show from season one, episode one, the other day. And I'm going to give it a go and watch all three seasons of Hannibal because I know you've seen it, right? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. So One scene never forgotten. Show. Superbly made. Like, you know, you say Anthony Hopkins. Is Anthony Hopkins even the best Hannibal after watching the show? I don't know. There's arguments for both sides. No, seriously. Like, Moz Mickelson? Interesting. I'll, uh, I'll look to validate that when I'm done the show. Well, I've, I've heard arguments for both sides, and I can't say either party is wrong. Because you get more of you get three seasons worth of Moz Mickelson playing Hannibal, so instead of three movies, well, that's quite quite the movies you watched, Eric, and I'm super glad you like like some of my favorites. So, no, it made me very happy to hear that. Yeah, man, same here. It's uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's only gonna be more to watch right as we get into like winter and stuff there. So definitely, True Romance up on my list now. Next movie yeah. I want to watch show um and the thing the thing is we have i'm waiting for the blizzard though like that's gotta be yeah. seasonally correct heavy, heavy snowfall yeah a few people had uh, submitted some movies that they watched okay. so camille had um okay. written that she's watched sorry the twilight series recently just binged all of them you know it's a good healthy binge of Movies like that is always recommended. But then in all seriousness, she also watched Hamilton. Have you seen Hamilton, Matt? I have not. Neither have I. Keep hearing about it. I mean, if she's recommending, I'm, I I would I will watch any movie. If someone's passionate about the movie and explains why, or I'm down. And nothing wrong with binging the Twilight movies, you know? You sh- it shouldn't be a guilty pleasure. You enjoyed them, watch them all. Yeah, words of wisdom. Hamilton, okay, I'll look into it. And then the next were the same answers, actually, from Kristen Ud, alumni of the okay. show, and my former classmate, actually, which we had a film class together back in the UK, Daniel Rolock. So thank you for submitting a question, cool. Daniel and Christine. So their submissions were Enola Holmes on Netflix. Have uh, you seen this? No, I've seen... My, mo- my mother watched it, and I would walk by and watch like scenes she wasn't too keen on it though and what the vibes i got was not something that i don't think i'd like uh i just got like nancy drew vibes off the movie and like i don't know uh i you know what i haven't seen the movie so it's not fair of me to say this but so i'm just gonna leave it at it didn't seem like it was something that would interest me okay you're skeptical i mean it's okay yeah, yeah. and that's going off what my mom's watched and she's She's led me astray many times in movies where <laughs> she's, I've, I've liked something she's hated or vice versa or who knows. Yeah. So, okay. so you're going to have to watch it for yourself and hey, based on two people yeah. recommended it. So yeah, you're, you're right. We shall see Millie Bobby Brown is just going off these days. True. Yeah. And Henry Cavill's in the movie. Henry Cavill's in the movie. Natalie Portman. Do you see a resemblance with her oh, now? For sure, for yeah. sure. Have a young uh, Leon the Professional look-alike. That was yes, a great movie. Yeah. It was. I, I gotta rewatch that as well. And then something else I'm also watching now. We're recording on a Thursday. A nice uh, Mandalorian dropping tomorrow. Oh, so happy to have a show to that? watch once a week again. It's great. Are we saving our thoughts on episode one? We'll we'll talk about that another time. Ah, we could just give like it's one episode. Okay. There. We can, okay I, I okay. love the episode. I thought it was so yeah, me good. Too. And not what I was expecting, but I absolutely love the the story and um, Timothy Oliphant yes. as the uh, the marshal was so good. Yes. 
playing his like Deadwood character or Justified character. Have you seen yeah. Deadwood? No, but I know. No, I haven't. I've seen Justified only. Okay. I need to get on Deadwood. Everyone says I'd love it. I know. So. I gotta get on that too. Yeah. I have like season one as well, so I don't know. Ooh. I'm slacking for some reason. It's too much to watch. It's impossible to yeah, be on top of everything. It's, it really is. But yeah, you you liked it as well. The episode. Yeah, I liked like that. It was long and like a lot of stuff going on. Like kind of like we got a little lore on the Tuscan Raiders. Love like that. a little like a little like they're not necessarily super evil and um what's the word misunderstood no. maybe exactly thank you and, and one thing i loved a lot about the episode was just basically two groups that have feuded for so long coming together to overcome uh, a greater force like that's how i saw it as the two groups uniting for a greater good and i, I love that that element of this the episode for sure and it's especially relevant today i think that we have our differences in like politics as well and like at the end of the day we're all people just trying to survive in this world and let's focus on what the real problem is in this mm -hmm. case the crate dragon so and mando says it right he's like if we fight the dragon will kill us all if yep. we fight amongst each other and like right now, literally as we're recording, they're like counting the votes right now to decide who the president's going to be. So that's yeah. <laughs> good. Remember, There's a lot of parallels. Yes. Remember, remember the 5th of November. You know? That's so crazy. Are there any other recommendations? Uh, yeah, that's it for me, man. I have got um, Mando I'm looking forward to. Um, Hannibal, that's a true romance the like the instagram story you posted oh yes from others yeah that's all we got but um okay. thank you a few people actually recommended like so on halloween i'd asked for a horror movie recommendation and a few people recommended hereditary have you seen it <laughs> i love that movie okay i should have watched it like i don't watch. want i again i don't want to overhype anything but like hereditary might be the best horror film of the 2010s from 2010 to 2019 like there's nothing wrong with hereditary it's almost perfect in my opinion is it not a long movie though i want to say it's over two hours yeah it is long but the actors keep you engaged like tony collette the mom in the movie played by tony collette you watch the movie and say and tell me she doesn't deserve an oscar nomination i'm not even joking it's, Which I'm assuming she didn't get. Or... No, because it's a horror movie. The only time horror gets love at the Oscars is like... I mean, Get Out got some love. But anyway, I'm not going to get into the Oscars. That's another conversation. Thanks, everybody, for the submissions. I think we gave, we've given you a plethora of mm -hmm. recommendations for all different tastes. Um, yeah. 80s comedies, Polish war movies, Queen's Gambit, you know shows for everybody yeah. out there v for vendetta check it out i think that's good then good to let her go absolutely we rec talked about plenty of movies right. and i can't wait to talk about more next time yep same here so yeah thanks a lot everybody for listening matt any final notes for the listeners no just like uh i mean if you're bored watch one of these movies we recommended and just stay positive out there even though some stuff looks bleak in the news just Stay strong and try to enjoy your day. Enjoy the little things in life. Yeah. That's my parting word. <laughs> Agreed. I like it. So, yeah, and if anyone has any recommendations, like movies, TV shows, books, music, what anything, just let us know. I always like 
discovering new uh, pieces of work. So definitely always open for suggestions. And yeah, thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned for episodes dropping every two Mondays. Stay safe, everybody. Yeah, peace.